So when you first define what's important to you and why, I think it makes it easier to come into the conversation with your your partner, your spouse, and, and figure out a solution that works. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to Elle Martinez, creator of the Couple Money Podcast and author of Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money. Elle's whole focus is helping couples get on the same page with money, dump their debt faster, and start on the path of financial freedom together. But Elle knows it isn't always easy. She and her husband came into their marriage with different money beliefs and financial situations. They've had to work to understand each other's mindsets and be able to talk about money and pursue their goals without the arguments. Elle and I are going to dive into her story and share how you can start a positive money conversation with your spouse, no matter how those conversations have gone in the past. Stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this awesome discussion with Elle, or head over to smartmoneymamas.com backslash Elle for our complete show notes and to download our free Healthy Money Mantras worksheets. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Elle, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I've missed you since the Mamas Talk Money Summit. I know that was so much fun. I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun with the chat. And of course, the topic was near and dear to my heart. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, we were so glad to have you. And the chat was something that we were really glad we added. So guys, if you weren't mm-hmm. at the Mamas Talk Money Summit, we had over 40 speakers and they they were live in chat during their talks. So you could actually ask them questions. Yeah. And those chats went a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> they did. But I love how you set it up because um, doing a chat live and trying to uh, do the session was like that was too much for me but when you had it set up it was so much fun because people had questions well what about this and I can just like jump in and say or it's going to come up in a couple minutes and it just worked out perfectly that's awesome and yeah. and guys if you're listening and you did miss the summit we're gonna do it again in October so yes. something to look forward to but Elle so you run a podcast and a blog called Couple Money and you say on your site that you started Couple Money because you needed it so can you tell me what was going on in your relationship <laughs> It was really born out of a need. When we got engaged, we thought we were clever. And this was something that helped us is we asked our friends who were happily married (laughs) down the line ahead of us, what were some of the things that made a difference? And I have to say, I was kind of shocked that money was something they asked us. Well, have you guys talked about this? Have you guys talked about this? And I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal about this? Um, At that point, I had... Junior year going to senior in college, my husband or fiance at the time had just graduated and had his first job. So we thought this was going to be easy. We're both broke college kids. This should be like a one, two discussion. And we picked a date and we're like, okay, well, let's just see how much we have in the accounts and make sure, you know, we're going to either pull this together or figure it out. And we were complete opposites. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. uh, I was surprised. So he is a really good saver and he had some money. Um, but at that time he was making less money, uh, than I did. And I was doing pretty good in terms of like, I was investing, um, early, like first internship, first jobs, anything I could, I was putting that in, but I also had the trifecta of debt. I had some credit card debt. I had a car loan. Thankfully it was like reasonable to me at that time. And then I had some student loans. And so we saw very quickly that we were not aligned at all with our finances. And I went online um, 
there's a lot of great blogs and sites out there. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I did not see anything that addressed that added layer of complication of like, what happens when you're in a relationship, when you're married? How do you get the two of you in sync? You know, hopefully this is a partnership and you're trying to respect each other and each other's wishes but like there's no way to talk about this to open up about this without to us it seemed at that time without somehow stepping on some toes starting a fight or you know i would i don't say neither one of that's a lie i am a yeller but he isn't (laughs) (laughs) where it doesn't get kind of heated in that and so i started a couple money just to kind of document what was working and what wasn't working for us as we were paying down debt and then a lot of couples started joining in and sharing their experience that's awesome and it's interesting when you say like it's hard not to step on toes because money is such an emotional thing right and our Mm -hmm. beliefs in it are so rooted and from early age most of the time so i'm curious was it clear how you two thought about money differently like how you got to such different places even though you were relatively same stage of life So I think part of it is we could trace it was a reaction either going with our parents or going against what we saw growing up. So with my husband, his experience was his dad had a family business and previously had a bad experience. And so he was very much, I don't want to say like cash only, but if you didn't have the money in the account, you just didn't buy. Credit was not an option, you know, going to credit card debt. And then for me, I was pretty much for many years, it was just my mom and the three of us. And she was a teacher. And it was and some certain times where you leaned on the credit card a little bit. And then as soon as like the school year started again, then you can pay that down. So I was, I wouldn't say comfortable with a credit card, but I didn't see it as a bad option. It was just a, a tool that I could use. So I know for those two pieces, that had an effect with us. And then for my husband, because investing wasn't a thing discussed in his family, he really wasn't into investing when I had met him. Um, that's something in our marriage, get him more comfortable with that. You know, thankfully now that's a part of his uh, finances. So how did you, so you've, you've come a long way, it sounds like he's gotten comfortable with investing. You guys have gotten out of mm-hmm. debt. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing you did to try to make those conversations a little less... I'm lacking a word here. <laughs> Contentious. That's the word okay. I'm looking for. So what I'll do is I'll tell you what I tell people now because we did not do that. <laughs> okay. What you think, should have done. Yes. We made the biggest mistake. And I think that is immediately jumping to the numbers. And I feel like that is counterintuitive advice coming from like a personal finance author. But I feel like the first discussion should be talking about what exactly do you have in common with your goals? Um, And don't go with the the script, which is like, we're saving to retire. We're saving to buy a house. Like, really sit down. What do you want to do in the next few years? And what do you want to do down the line to get an idea of your priorities and values? And really, that's when you have arguments. It's not really about the numbers. It's about those things. And I don't think as couples... We do have those conversations. We kind of slip into this mode of, okay, well, we're supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be, oh, we got married. So here's the milestones we need to hit. Taking a step back, kind of just having a date where you just talk about what you would like to do, I think makes things a lot less stressful. So we obviously did not do that. And I could see like the tension was there because honestly, 
I have not yet met one couple where someone does everything perfectly right and someone does something wrong. So when you jump into the numbers, you're going to immediately look at, you know, your partner's like weak points, not to... You're going to try to assign blame. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just gets into habit. Well, you know, you're having a hard time with credit cards because look at how much you're eating out or, you know, you're behind on investing because you're scared. Um, Mm -hmm. And so taking away that and just focusing on the goals is critical because the point of it is to find what you do have in common. Try to find uh, the goals that you can agree on, even if, and I know this sounds kind of weird, but even if it's not what you're supposed to be saving up for. So like you're talking about retirement, put a pin on that. Let's talk about something in the next three years. Do you guys want to be the couple that travels? Are you thinking of starting a a family? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to do both? And then establish that. And it's so much easier to then work backwards and see, okay, where are we now with our finances? What do we need? This is definitely one of those things. Yeah. This is definitely one of those things that sounds simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like my first Mm -hmm. thing that comes to mind is so many couples just assume that the person they love wants the things they want, right? So we don't have these conversations because we're like, well, we're headed in the same direction. (laughs) So we actually thought we were pretty much on the same level. For example, when we were dating, I mean, I had to use Jetta and he had... (laughs) He had like a Celica, I think it was. You know, they they weren't fancy cars. Our dates were pretty simple. I mean, we knew all the happy hour and college night spots. 50 cent tacos, hello. You know, $2 uh, pizza. That Those were our jams. So very easily we saw that, oh, this we're pretty much on the same boat. But when we started talking about uh, finances and then we started digging into it, we just saw that we approach things differently. So for me, I was really good about making sure that no matter how much income I have, I always had something to give, whether to friends, my congregation, or someone, something in need. Uh, but at the same time, there were times when I treated people and I put that on the credit card. So and it was like a lot of little things that added up that we realized like maybe we're not seeing eye to eye and then you know it reflected later with the finances and i think that's something that we don't talk about is like how do our personalities reflect with how we spend save or share our money and we don't have these conversations and so that was one thing that I had included in the book because that was another mistake we made was like how do you have those icebreaker conversations and like we've been talking about taking away the numbers even just for a little bit makes a huge difference because then you're talking about well what are your goals what would you like to do and then you can put the numbers back in because now you have a better idea of what you want and where you want to go i have so many things i want to ask you about this but what's coming into my head is the five love languages right you're talking about personality tying into Mm -hmm. uh tying into your money and i'm thinking about like for someone whose love language is gift giving right Mm mm-hmm it's really hard when your budget is restricted and you feel like you can't treat a friend or give to something that's important to you and trying to figure out how to build that into your budget and into your life um, mm-hmm. and understanding how to work with your personality is it can be a really difficult thing. Yeah. But I want to know, when you guys started to have these conversations, were your three to five year goals relatively aligned? Did you guys want the same things? No. Short answer. So also, you know, at that time we were both going to college. So we were kind of in a location. There were clues there. 
So I wouldn't call him a homebody, but he's very much like very chill. He likes his, you know, his spot and he stays there. Even nowadays, he's the one that if he could choose like for our anniversary things to do, he would rather do like a staycation where we do a tour of our favorite restaurants around in Raleigh. Like he loves that. Um, you know, things around the city, but I'm always the one that's like, let's go to a different town. Let's go travel. Even if it's not like a big thing, it's just a weekend. I naturally do love to travel. Um, in terms of purchases, I like little experiences here and there, how I spend my money. He is the type of person that will analyze to death a decision, but then when he goes for it, he goes all in. So you know, his purchases, if you will look at his um, bank statements, it would be like save, 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 all of a sudden $3,000 or $2,000 for tech. He's a tech guy. Um, and then mine were smaller purchases, like 100 here, 200 here. Uh, but there were books, there were travel, there were experiences for me that I saw value. So we very quickly were like trying to find a system that worked for us where we were both happy. And then also when we had our finances, we decided that most of our money would go into the joint, but we we're still gonna have our fun accounts. I mm-hmm. think that's important for couples to establish however they do it, whether they do separate or joint or hybrid, is establish what you wanna do, but then why? And then even if you do have separate accounts, I definitely wanna emphasize separate does not mean secret. So you can (laughs) no secret accounts that that is something that can break the trust in a relationship. But if you decide like, okay, we have money on the side, you know, for how we want to spend things that you make your spouse aware of what goes. And it's not like we check in every day, but should something happen also, like one of you get sick or things have to get taken care of. It's nice to have that information where you can access that if you need to. So this brings Mm -hmm. up, you know, the idea Mm -hmm. of financial infidelity and trust, Mm -hmm. but that always ties with me this difficult situation Mm -hmm. with financial abuse, right? So Mm -hmm. for women who have experienced this or seen it experienced or, you know, this is just a much more prevalent issue than people like to talk about, it Mm -hmm. can be a huge safety net to have some account of your own that always has money in it. Mm -hmm. And how do you square that with making sure you're still having an open conversation with your spouse? I think it's important and we don't do this because maybe we're uh, afraid to admit maybe part of our money script is seeing that in um, our own families growing up. I've noticed like parents, even if it wasn't a traditional sense of financial abuse, uh, you will see where uh, some families, they grow up where the person earning the income or a significant portion of the income feels like they have a more significant voice Mm-hmm. And the relationship. And so whether that is what they grew up with in that script, that's, you know, you can put a pin on that. But what do you want in your relationship? Talk about why this is important to you. I do have a lot of couples where their end goal is to have everything joint because they feel like it's easier. But at this point where they are, uh, they're not ready to go all in. Uh, they love the person. They, they want to, for this to work out. But maybe they've seen where one parent took control of the finances and therefore the relationship and they don't want to get in that situation. So I think the first step is to acknowledge Mm -hmm. this is how I feel about money and why. And I think for most people, you can find some kind of system where you respect. This is not about you. I understand and I want this relationship to work. I want this marriage to work. But right now, this is why I feel this way. And. It's not set in stone. Like you don't have to 
immediately go from A to Z with your finances. Like, okay, this is our end goal. We want to be here. Like, we'll start here. What shared Mm -hmm. goals do you have? Share an account there. And then build up to a system that you both feel respected. And I, I think it's very important also to have these conversations. I call them money dates. Where you do check in with each other. Uh, Where are you in your relationship? Your relationship evolves. So don't be surprised if your finances evolve as well. And this brings up the idea, Mm -hmm. right, of before Mm -hmm. you come to some of these conversations, Mm -hmm. especially if it's been contentious, to do the self-work of where your own money hangups are coming Mm -hmm. from. Do you have any questions we can kind of consider and ask ourselves as we identify where our own money patterns might be coming from? I think one of the best things you can do is kind of imagine what would you where would you like to be in three years uh i know some people like to jump into the retirement like what's the end end goal Uh, for me real life doesn't work that way things change especially if you're a parent you know how suddenly things can change and you have the best intentions but i think it's easier to imagine like three to five years what are you hoping to do sit down and then talk about why is that important to you because usually we're drawn for a specific reason like i did not quite like say to myself out loud uh, that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. But anytime I thought about the future, I love that flexibility. Uh, it is a lot of work. But for me, the trade-off was worth it for me. So kind of sit down and talk about your goals first. Identify what seems to be the most important. And if you have several goals, what are the two that you absolutely would love to have happen in the next few years. And and I think that what that does is it allows you to define what's your motivation. So for my husband and I, for example, uh, entrepreneurship is the right choice for me. Mm-hmm. For him, he loves having an office to go to. I mean, he worked from home a couple of days, but for someone to offload all the other stuff so he can work on software development and engineering, that makes him happy. So when he imagines it, imagines his like three to five year range it's usually still with some kind of office (laughs) you know um and and that's what makes him happy and so when you can define first yourself then you can talk about well what does that mean if you're going to be having an office job more than likely financially that means uh, at least some health insurance benefits so now i can work backwards and kind of see well where's this going to fit in where can i save where can i um, optimize so when you first define what's important to you and why, I think it makes it easier to come into the conversation with your your partner, your spouse, and, and figure out a solution that works. Now, something we've heard from some yeah. of the couples mm-hmm. in our audience is mm-hmm. that it's hard to think about those goals, right? We've gotten yeah. into the rhythm of like what we're supposed to do and mm-hmm. life and parenting, and we've kind of forgotten what mm-hmm. where we want to go or written off that that's even possible. And that, that conversation can be even harder sometimes um, with a male spouse that Mm -hmm. really is locked into either the provider mindset or just really focused Mm -hmm. on what he thinks he should do. Do you have any tips on getting uh, getting your spouse to open up a little bit? I think that is a very good conversation to to have, especially when you're talking about like the provider mindset. Uh, Just first of all, one of the best things you can do is acknowledge your spouse's gifts and say, you know, one thing that I appreciate that you're doing is you're always on top of this. Like you definitely want to make sure that there's always money. And usually when you have, they have a provider mindset, they also kind of have a more conservative security mindset. Um, and one spouse tends to have the, the opposite, which is more freedom, more options. So just acknowledge like one of the good things I appreciate when, when you handle the finances is that you always make sure that 
the essentials are covered. But I also, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing and what you hope to have. Like we are doing pretty well here. What are some goals that you are interested in pursuing that maybe we're not doing right now? Kind of get them to open up about their dreams and opportunities because like you mentioned, sometimes it it is a good thing that they want to provide, but at the same time, they may feel trapped in yeah. a sense that they feel like in this role, they have to provide, they're not providing and they're not opening up. If you don't mind, I actually talked to one couple. We met them in St. Louis. Oh my goodness. They were adorable. Uh, about like late 40s or so. And when I met them, they were like high school kids in love. But when I talked to them, this was so crazy. It was just a few years ago. They were on the brink of not only bankruptcy, but she she could have left them because they had gotten to the point where he had this provider mode and he could not say no to her and their spending. And it, the lifestyle inflation got so bad, they had over $100,000 of credit card debt. Oh, my gosh. Because she would come and say, you know, she knew that they were in debt, but she was like, well, he's always you know, taking care of this. He's great with the money. We'll make it work. And he was getting raises. And I mean, she was working at the time, too. And he felt trapped because he was like, if I say no to them, then I'm failing them. And so I'll make it work somehow. And so they weren't even having a conversation about what they really wanted to do. They just got into this mode in the script. I mean, and it can be reversed too, um, mm -hmm. where the woman makes more or feels like because of her job and the income that she's bringing in, that she has to stay in this job because that's what's going to take care of the family. But if we're not having these conversations, we could both, you know, both spouses can fall in this trap where one person feels like the pressure's on them or the other person feels like there's an imbalance and then a resentment starts building up. So I think it's absolutely crucial, whatever role you think you're in or you feel you're in, that you break it, take a pause, take a step back and start having these conversations. When they did, it was at a crisis. So don't wait for that. <laughs> like he literally had to tell them when the law had changed and the minimum payments changed, their minimum payments jumped to, uh, I want to say 2500 minimum payments oh, on the credit cards man. and they didn't have enough to the end of the month so they were scrambling to file bankruptcy to to figure out what and it was a journey it was like years but they are so much in a better spot now because they broke out of those roles they kind of put themselves in they said i you know she didn't force me i didn't force her we fell into this and you know that's something you have to break out it's actually really interesting when you say it can be reversed. This is a conversation my husband and I have had to have a lot over the last two years. And mm -hmm. I felt a lot of guilt and pressure when I chose to leave the job I was in. Right. So I was mm -hmm. I was a hedge fund manager. I was making mid six figures. He yeah. was at home. We kind of were able to do everything we wanted. And then I chose to, to leave and become an entrepreneur. And we went from from, you know, great income to zero. Yeah. And having to change our lifestyle, like every time we had to cut something from the budget or whatever to make it work, I felt awful, right? Like that yeah. I was not providing the life we had agreed that we were going to build. Mm -hmm. And that and that requires a lot of conversation, an ongoing conversation. Like mm -hmm. we check in probably on a monthly basis of like, okay, are we still okay with how this feels right now? Or do we have to do something else? Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point because sometimes and and money is shifting. Finances are shifting for every family. You know, who makes what, how much. Very very few times have I met couples where they make the exact same amount or close enough. 
um, depending on the career they choose, it could be like their career only has a cap, you know, like example, like if you're a teacher, you're kind of going to be stuck with uh, whatever is that local pay or the, just the sector that you're in it can be so different. And it's so important to have these conversations because we can kind of slip into and it doesn't have to be outside pressure. We can kind of put this on ourselves because we see what our coworkers are doing or our neighbors are doing. And we think, OK, well, we're going to slip into this kind of groove and it's mm-hmm. not the right fit for the two of you and in your relationship and your finances so checking in and I think it's fantastic that you address like that's how you were feeling you know I'm sure your spouse was like no I don't feel you know <laughs> you know like, yeah, how did you feel that way yeah. shocked right like he's like <laughs> I don't understand why you're beating yourself up we're fine but it's hard when you when you haven't been having the conversation yes. and when you have these expectations on yourself right yes. I think that we all want to live up to what we expect to be happening in our families for the people we love. Uh, and that doesn't always match up. Yes. Yes. All right. So I want to move into mm-hmm. talking about getting on the same page specifically around debt. But before we do that, mm-hmm. I want to take a quick word from our sponsors who made this episode possible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Debt.com. One of my favorite things about Debt.com is that they remove the embarrassment around getting out of debt. If you're feeling overwhelmed by monthly payments or balances, but don't know who to turn to, Debt.com can match you with the perfect, trustworthy debt solution provider to help you create a debt freedom plan and build a strong financial foundation. You can learn more by visiting smartmoneymamas.com backslash debt or by calling their free support line at 844-462-8280 to discuss solutions for your unique situation. That number again is 844-462-8280. Debt.com for when life happens. All right, Elle. So one of Mm -hmm. the biggest things that tends to cause these conversations, right? So you said this couple you met in St. Louis, it was crisis. And that, I think, is often what starts the conversation, right? People get completely over their head in debt and then they're like, we have to do something. So when you're starting there, how can you make that a little easier to not lay blame when you're already stressed about money? I think after you have the conversation of opening up, like we have credit card debt and it's getting to the point where we feel like we're locked in these jobs because we cannot (laughs) leave these jobs or even change it because of the the debt. I think sit down, first of all, and again, it, it sounds like, wait a minute, we have to immediately address the numbers. Well, what are you trying to do? Like what kind Mm -hmm. of lifestyle are you trying to maintain? Part of it is I've noticed when we talked with couples is that. Debt is kind of one of those things to take a pressure release. It's the worst way to do it. But you're feeling unhappy with something in your life um, that you're trying to put a patch on it. Debt, maybe, you know, the job that you're in, you feel like, I I really don't want to do this. It's burnout. It's stressing me out. But you know what? We're going to go out. And we're going to have a great time where we put the vacation on the card and then it becomes this vicious cycle. So I think just taking a pause, defining one or two things that you're trying to get out of this. And then when you have that, go over and look at your your credit card debt. Not so much the numbers. You kind of want to just for a second, put your hand on that column with the totals. (laughs) But look at like where where's our money going that we're relying on the credit cards or whatever debt that you have. Uh, for this lifestyle and then answer yourself without the blame game like did we get value out of this and you may find like for example a lot of couples they'll say you know what going out 
Definitely, we want to somehow keep in the budget. Now, this amount isn't it, but the reason we were going out is we felt like we weren't connecting. We needed to kind of get out the house to do this. Having a way to first talk about that makes it easier to see, okay, well, going out, we're not going to change that. We are going to go out, but maybe we're not going to go out to those restaurants all the time. Maybe we need to find some cheap dates, have some fun, bring back the college days, you know, (laughs) where you're finding, you know, those special deals with, you know, the $5 pictures and everything like that. And then work towards eliminating those expenses. And I I don't want to go like Marie Kondo on this, but like what's bringing you joy, and most couples, it's not the fact that they're spending 100 200 on a, a night out. It's the fact that they're at least getting out and having the conversations, especially when you're parents. It's critical that you have some, you know, us time as a couple. So I think having those conversations first and then also looking at are there times when you feel stressed that you feel like you're relying on that? Is this a matter of we just had a fight and I, I'm just going to pick up something to take that pressure relief, have those conversations. I think we are always surprised by how much emotions affect when we spend. Some of us are stress spenders. Some of us um, kind of do have a, what's the word? Man, not a shopaholic because, but there's an addiction to spending Mm -hmm. that maybe isn't being addressed. And that's something we've picked up with our parents or, you know, growing up, we see that and that was the norm. And so now we're taking those patterns into this stage in our life and we don't want to. So identifying why you're spending and then working backwards from there can at least help. And then I don't have a problem. I know sometimes there's a stigma having a third person join you, whether that be a like financial planner that you go to a fee only or looking at your um, local credit union or bank. A lot Mm -hmm. of them do have a financial service where a financial planner can kind of sit down and be that objective person to maybe identify if you feel like you're you're stuck and you can't have a conversation without starting a fight is having that third person. um, Sometimes it makes you go in your best behavior. You're like, okay, I'm not going to get mad. Someone's right here. But more importantly, I think having um, that third opinion can be critical if you feel like you're you're stuck in this rut. Yeah, two things. So yep. one, we had mm-hmm. Ashley from Fiscal Femme uh, on here earlier this month, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the emotions and money and how mm-hmm. if you can start to stop yourself before mm-hmm. you make those more luxury expenses and say like, what? how do I want to feel right now? Like, what mm-hmm. am I trying to chase? And mm-hmm. then see if there's a better decision to get there, right? Like you were yeah. saying, like, if you just you feel like you're not very close to your spouse and you want to just go out and connect with them, like, okay, is there a different way to do that? Can we put the kids to bed and watch a movie and cuddle on the couch or yeah. ask ask grandma or grandpa to come over and watch them and, and go do something, go play mini golf? There's definitely options there. And then the other thing is having a third person, there is this growing field of financial therapy that if yes. you're really struggling, that can be a really great place because th- those people have the skills both to handle the emotional side mm-hmm. uh, and know exactly how to address different um, hangups with money. Yeah, that's a fast growing field. And I do want to add, there's something that I've noticed in the last couple of years, as I guess more people are opening up about these conversations, where we talked about maybe the income being imbalanced or a, a significant difference, that spouses, either one, one of them makes more, but the one that makes less feels like they can have more 
control over the spending. Like that's how they feel like they have control over the finances. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that where they approach me where maybe the wife makes more and the husband's doing some crazy spending or vice versa or whatever the situation is where it manifests because they're not having these conversations about how do I feel about this? If you make more, if I make less. Um, even if nothing changes on the surface, like you still going to keep your careers because it, you do find fulfillment, but acknowledging like, this is how I feel when I see the finances and that way you can address it without your finances suffering in the meantime. So when we sit down to make the, the deck goals and I don't know, I'm sure you see this too, but we've seen yeah. it with couples of like one spouse almost always wants to go really fast and just yes. get rid of the debt. And the yes. other one's like, whoa, whoa, everything's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with life the way it is. Mm-hmm. How do we bridge that gap? Like, how do we make sure we have a timetable that works for both people? So actually, I had experienced this personally, and then I experienced this. Um, I was talking with my friend, Tony, and she had this in with her husband. They had like $100,000 of debt, and she discovered Dave Ramsey, and she was like, let's do this. And they have two young kids. Her husband's like, but this is such a good time with the kids. I don't want to go gazelle intense. And there's nothing wrong with being gazelle intense if you're, you know, both on board. So I loved how she approached this. So what they did is they did sit down and they said, okay, what can we agree on? Because most times when you talk with couples, they will agree they do need to get rid of the debt. It's the speed. So at what points can we figure this out? They did that. They adjusted it. And I think it was like a 10-year time frame for everything but the mortgage to be paid off. And then what Tony was doing is she was finding frugal activities. He didn't want to give up going out. They live in Chicago. Not always the cheapest, but there are ways you can find some free and cheap things. You just have to you know, be aware of what's going on. She found ways for the family to have those special occasions, to enjoy the time they were being together. And they were saving up money. Then he was saying, wait, we are saving and we're not giving up what I was worried about, which is that precious time with the kids. And again, acknowledging why your spouse feels that way. Even if you disagree, like she felt like, come on, let's get rid of this debt. It's holding us back. But at least acknowledging like this is where you feel comfortable. Then he started speeding up and it's never going to be perfect. I, I think we need to get rid of that expectation where... It's going to go as fast as you want, the, the spouse that wants to get as a gazelle intense. But I think reminding yourself the intention is not just to get out of debt, but to be a team getting out of debt. And so thankfully, they paid off their, all their debt. They're debt free now. That's and, awesome. Yeah. It, it took a little longer than she hoped. But if you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, I think it was like a year extra. I mean, it, I love, it decreased. Yeah. I love that he recognized what he didn't want to give up. Right. Like as yeah. he watched the process, he's like, OK, what was really important to me was spending mm-hmm. time with the kids and we're still doing that. And that can be huge too, of figuring out what what are the hangups? Why don't you want to change anything that's going on? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, yeah. both spouses usually realize something needs to change. Yes. Uh, they just might be hanging on to to one specific aspect of your lifestyle today. Yeah. And also acknowledge that you're not going to get the answer the first time most time when you talk about like, well, what are you afraid of? I don't you know, you're just like, this is just too crazy. You usually hear a different answer than what the real cause is. And it's not that your spouse is hiding anything. They just may not be aware of it. Like he didn't immediately jump into the kids. He just thought this was not sustainable. This wasn't going to work out. But then he realized that this was about the kids. He loved hanging out with the kids, spending time with them. 
And so when you have these conversations, this is another reason why I say, you know, have those money dates because you're still processing it in real time. You're evolving. Your spouse is evolving. The the finances are always going to be shifting and changing. And that's not a bad thing. You know, your goals could change. You could see that, you know what, maybe that other spouse feels like it doesn't have to be as intense. We have, you know, a a mortgage, like some families want to pay off their mortgage faster. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, you know what, but that's not the right thing for us because right now we're in the season of life where we want to do X and Y. And then once we handle that, then we can shift gears. But when we feel like we choose a path and then we have to be on it, whether, you know, someone says, well, you've been married X amount of years, maybe you should start looking at for a house or, you know, save for retirement, whatever it is. Don't get stuck with those concerns. First, start establishing your priorities, your values, and then you can always build up and shift. I think that's also something that people are afraid of is anytime with finances that they are locked in because they made a goal years ago or, you know, they decide, well, we felt like we were going to do it this way. Have those check and say, you know what? I feel differently now. And then you're more open to four big things like paying off debt or saving up for a, a huge goal to be open to maybe trying something new. And then a suggestion I, I want to add is anytime it's a big shift, propose only for a month you try it out. Like give it a time limited, limited. Yeah, time limited. Let's try this out. See if it works. If it doesn't, we'll, we'll drop it or we'll adjust it. And then when you give a time limit, a lot of spouses, most times are like, oh, I can do a month. So like that to me is a, a window of time where you can at least see a result. Mm-hmm. And then uh, kind of evaluate for you. You might feel like, oh, that was a little too intense, you know, and I dial it back. So like there are ways to work together. But these conversations, if if anything, uh, take away from this is to have money dates, have these regular check ins with each other about what your priorities or values are in whatever stage you're in. So once you're established, right, you can mm-hmm. we set mm-hmm. some goals together. You're working on the debt. What do these money dates look like at that point? What are you talking about and what should we make sure we're addressing? So when we first started our our money dates, they were a little more formalized because we had the debt and we wanted to pay that off. And we knew down the line we were going to be saving up for a house or a little home base. That was our compromise, by the way. My husband wanted like the house. Uh, He's definitely someone who's grew up in like one place, very familiar with everything. And I grew around moving. So we defined for us like we just needed a home base for us. So it didn't have to be a huge house. It just had to be a house that fulfilled our needs. But when we were first meeting, there was a lot more conversation about the numbers where after we said, "Okay, what's going well this month? What's coming up? Sometimes, you know, most times our budgets are about like, let's just say 80% the same, but you have a vacation coming up or you have family visiting or you're doing something um, in the next month or two. It's great kind of checking in, just adjust it. So you're realizing, okay, uh, we're going to go on vacation. So let's cut back right now this week or this month on eating out because I really want to go out and try like the food trucks over there in LA. That's like on my wish list. Having these conversations made a big difference. Now, down the line, we've, you know, credit cards gone, you got the car loan gone, student loans gone, and we're grateful for that. We have a lot more flexibility. So now it's kind of big picture. So for 2020, you know, when we do our money dates, um, our big picture is getting a replacement car for him. And we actually had a hiccup. It was supposed to be later this year, but his car said no. 
<laughs> I'm tired and I want to retire. Yeah. yeah. So we just last week picked up a car for him and we we knocked that out. So what did that mean? That meant our kitchen renovation, which was supposed to be this month, it just got pushed back because we want to make sure that we're not being rushed into a decision. And so these are fun projects. It becomes more fun. It's going to start off a little more numbers financially oriented. But once you find that rhythm and you find that pace that you like, a lot of it is just checking in with your app, and that takes maybe five minutes, your account. Like, is the moving, uh, money moving in the right direction? Is there anything coming up that we just need to tweak? And that becomes much easier as a couple to handle your finances. It's a less stressful approach. What app do you use? I actually use a mix. So we do have a spreadsheet, but personal capital, because like many couples, we have like the 401k, we got the IRA, we have our bank accounts. Like I said, we have mostly joint, but we also have, you know, our fund money. It's just easy to kind of pull that in and just see where our money's going. Yeah, we use personal capital and you need a budget (laughs) for the day-to-day budget stuff, which is great. And the ability to share those apps is huge, mm-hmm. especially when one spouse does most of the numbers yes. to allow the other spouse the power to feel like they can see everything and, and know what's going on. Yeah. And reality is one person tends to be the day to day, but that does not mean that the other person doesn't have a say or they you know, can't uh, move things w- with the finances like my husband. I'm the day to day person. But he absolutely does want to know what's going on. So having the app set up, having our little shared Google Doc or a little Google spreadsheet allows him to, you know, write a little note. <laughs> hey, by the way. And now there's new options that uh, weren't there years ago. Like I think Honeyfy, Honeydew and Zeta that are specifically made for couples where you can send little notes to each other. And let each other know, like, hey, you know, last month we went out just a little bit too much. Can we cut back this? You know, where you can send a nice little note. um, or Nice little, emphasis on nice, guys. Nice. Well, (laughs) nice note or like, we don't have to talk about it now. Because I'm I'm that person. Like, I see something, I want to talk about it now. It's like, here's a note and then we can talk about it later when both of us are in a good spot. Awesome. So, Elle, before we have you try on our sorting hat, which I'll explain in a second, I have one last question, which is for the moms out there that are feeling like their relationship is just really contentious and that they're never going to get on the same page. What advice do you have for them to to try again? I, I feel like first try defining yourself. Get that practice with, you know, the, it's a conversation. Have that conversation with yourself. What are some things that you're hoping to do and why? What are your priorities and values? And then it's easier to start the conversation with your partner, with your spouse, by saying, hey, this is something that I'm working on, kind of taking a little pressure off. What are some things I want to support you? And you may be surprised by the answer. That's great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, okay. sorting hat. I am a huge Harry Potter fan, so our version of the hot seat is we have a sorting hat full of questions, and we're going <laughs> to have you try it on and reveal something about you. You ready? Okay. What is your favorite activity for self-care? For self-care? I'm going to seem like such a nerd. I love, okay, I love reading and something on the side. Because I write personal finance everywhere, I need some fiction. So just writing fan fiction, actually. different Writing fan fiction? Yes. yes. I love it. What, what, <laughs> what area? Now I got to know. I would say, you know, like sci-fi. I'm a big sci-fi fan. Star Wars, Rogue One, and stuff like that. Um, Also, The Flash from CW. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you and follow up on your podcast and your blog? 
Sure. Well, if you want to talk marriage and money and working together as a team, just go to couplemoney.com. I'm there on social media. And then you'll also find the podcast, which is Couple Money. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elle. This was awesome. Sure. Thank you. Wow, mamas. I love talking to Elle and hearing her perspective. It's so great to hear from someone who has not only walked the path in her own life, but who has worked with many, many others who have done it as well and can see the patterns. Money is one of the biggest issues for couples and learning how to handle it as a team and come together to talk calmly and respectfully can really make all the difference. Elle shared so many great tips today. I think this was a great example of an episode you may want to send to your partner or listen to together. Ask them what they thought and share any aha moments you may have had while listening. But as you wade into your next money date with your spouse, here are three of my favorite takeaways from Elle that I really want you to remember. First, when talking to your spouse about money, don't dive right into the numbers. It's so easy to jump to the numbers, thinking the problem and the solution is hiding there in black and white. Yet when we're talking about numbers, we all struggle to see the forest through the trees. We say, if you didn't do this, or see, I'm packing my lunch, but you're still going through the drive-thru every day. It's contentious. Step back, let the expectations of others fall away, and discuss what you want your life to look like. Where do you want to be in three years? What matters to you? Then, once you're on the same page with where you're headed, figure out how the numbers can help you get there. Second, understand your own unspoken money expectations, both of yourself and your spouse. After seeing your parents' relationship or creating a vision of how your marriage might look, you may be putting unfair or unnecessary expectations on yourself or on your spouse. Maybe you feel like you can't say no to your partner or you'll be failing them. Maybe you feel like you're not helping enough financially as a stay-at-home parent. Maybe you want to make a career change but feel like you can't until your partner finds more stability at work. And that's causing resentment. Whatever it is, you need to take the time to identify those things and be honest about them, both with yourself and your spouse. It may turn out that your partner doesn't expect those things of you or didn't even know about your expectations of them. So often we think our spouses can read our minds, but until we get it all out in the open, we'll be stuck feeling trapped. And finally, know that any plans you make or goals you set don't have to be permanent. Life changes, our priorities and dreams change. That's just life, especially as parents. We can try things, see what works, and pivot when we need to. Just because you said you absolutely have to get out of debt in the next five years doesn't mean you can't take a pause and discuss going back to school to advance your career or slow down debt repayment for a few months so you can relocate closer to family. Just because you had a goal of moving to the middle of nowhere and starting a homestead doesn't mean you can't decide that that isn't what you want as you get closer to achieving it. Things shift, and that's okay. Creating a positive money relationship with your spouse is about having long-term, continuous discussions about our finances and goals, being honest with ourselves and each other about what we want and need so we can take the steps that get us there. Mamas, I want to thank Elle again for joining me on the show and our sponsor, Debt.com, for helping make this episode possible. If you'd like to see the full show notes for this episode, connect with our guest, or download your free copy of our Healthy Money Mantras worksheets, visit smartmoneymamas.com backslash L. If you enjoyed this episode, I do have one small ask for you. Share it with a friend. My goal is to help as many moms as possible feel confident and secure in their financial life. I truly appreciate you being here with me and helping me spread the word. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next week.